0: Welcome to Grad School, the Bruce Gradkowski Podcast. Upping your football knowledge, class is now in session. That's right, that's right. Thanks for tuning back in. We have a special, special podcast for you guys today. My main man, Joe Thomas from the Tomahawk Show, starting left tackle for the Browns. My other main guy, Andrew Hawkins, played with him at Toledo, roomed with him for a year. He's a sloppy roommate, by the way, and I played with him with the Cincinnati Bengals. Two great guys, part of the best podcast going, the Tomahawk Show. You know, I was on the way down here to meet with them, and, uh, you know, first I had donuts with dads. All you dads out there, you have to take care of your daughters, I know it. Kids, you know, I have three kids, four, two, and seven months. So you guys know how that is out there, okay? Bedtimes, mess, trying to get them to eat. It's a mess. Nap time, all the stuff. You name it. So today's Donuts for Dads, though. What a fun time. You know, I, I take my daughter to school, um, crush some donuts. They got the book book fair going on, so you're staying in line. You know, I mean, hundreds of people trying to buy books for the kids when it's like, let's just go down the street to Barnes Noble. We'll buy a few. But, um, you know, and, and Lily's picking out some things. And we get in line, and I think the book's changed. About three or four times, we put one down, picked another one up because we saw a more interesting one while we were standing in line. Then they have toys there, so you see the toys. And then it's like, you know, dads, what do you do? Sometimes you want to get them nice things. Other times you don't want to spoil them. And, and we try to, um, you know, not do that, you know, but we're encouraging them to read books. I think nowadays with all the social media, as we're on a podcast right now, but with Twitter, Instagram, um You know the iPads They just continually want to watch shows So we buy them books So I'm having donuts for dads We're having a great time Get a couple books at the bookstore So I feel like I'm doing my dad duty of the day, right? Crushing some donuts with your daughter Drinking some juice Get her a couple books You know, she's gonna be educated, right? You know, we got it going on And then I'm like, shoot I gotta go and meet my, my main guys Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins For the podcast going to be on a tomahawk show i'm going to get him on grad school it's going to be a great day and hawk's like man look we can't start to sing later than 10 15 you know joe thomas he's he's got an appearance at noon and this and that and so he's giving me a schedule well shoot i don't even leave toledo until nine and i'm like how the heck am i going to get there by 10 to cleveland so you know i'm flying down i-80 the turnpike you know, cops listening, you know, I apologize, I don't I don't speed often, but, you know, and I'm not saying I'm speeding that fast, but I'm going, and, you know, when you get off the Cleveland exit, I get pulled over, right, so I get pulled, pulled over, and I'm like, shoot, I'm gonna be even that much more, I'm gonna be later than late, I hope Joe Thomas doesn't get mad, I don't wanna piss off the 6'7", 300-pounder, you know, and, and, uh, and Hawk, you know, Hawk is, you know, me and Hawk are boys, so it, it's all good, but, um, so, you know, I tell the I tell the cop, you know, I'm going on the Tomahawk show. He's like, get the F out of here. That's my favorite podcast. He's like, you know what? Tell Joe Thomas and Hawk I said, hi, get out of here. I was like, get the F out of here. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> so, so Hawk, Joe Thomas, they're big time in Cleveland. And, um, I, you know, I had a great time being on their show. And it, it's great to get them on my show, grad school, the Bruce Krakowski podcast here in a little bit. But recapping the Browns weekend. What a weekend for the Browns. You know, they go out, they make some key trades. Tyrod Taylor, big trade there. You get yourself the starting quarterback, Jarvis Landry. Come on now, a beast for him to throw to. And then you have a potential starting cornerback in Demarius Randle. I think those are some key moves for the Browns because you know what? They solidify that quarterback position. That's been up and down in the past years. Get someone in there that can make plays with his legs. Get outside the pocket and make some plays. I've always been a fan of Tyrod Taylor. I think nowadays in the NFL in 2018, you need a guy in the pocket that can make the extra play. It's not always going to be drawn up perfectly, so you have to make that extra play. Buy some time, get outside the pocket, make a play. Now he's going to have some beast at receivers. He's going to have, hopefully, a beast of a running back it, sitting at number one, I think they'll draft Barkley now. I mean, that's what it looks like. You know, I know Hugh Jackson's mindset. He's still old school. He still wants to run the football. So, uh, you know, that could be huge. I think the Browns just set them up for for some, uh, for some a nice little season. Might get him a couple wins this year. And um, so we'll see. But I think Tyrod Taylor, yes, he only had 14 touchdown passes last year. But the key stat is four interceptions. Okay, the Browns last year had six interceptions alone just in the red zone itself. I mean, that's points on the board you're taking away. So I think Tyrod Taylor will protect the football. I also think he'll take shots downfield now that he's being coached by Todd Haley. I played for Todd Haley in Pittsburgh. I played for Hugh Jackson in Oakland. I think those guys are aggressive. They'll coach Tyrod up a lot of times as a quarterback. If you know you have a coach that has your back and wants you to take shots downfield, especially with Josh Gordon on one side and Jarvis Landry on the other, are you kidding me? He's going to have opportunities to take smart shots downfield and be aggressive. And I think Tyrod Taylor can and will do that with the right coaching. And you know, Todd Haley does a great job scheming plays. He's going to get Jarvis Landry a lot of footballs. He's going to catch a lot of balls this year, just like he led the league last year. But look what Todd Haley did for Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger, Le'Veon Bell. Now, is it going to be Tyrod Taylor, Josh Gordon, Jarvis Landry, and Barkley in the backfield? That's not a bad lineup. That's not a bad lineup. I think the Browns are starting to set themselves up nice. It's going to be exciting to see how this process unfolds through free agency A lot of us are wondering where Kirk Cousins is going to go. Uh, You know, I had a hunch maybe it's going to be Denver. Uh, But most likely I think it's going to be Minnesota. I think that's going to be a great spot with them with Zimmer, Mike Zimmer. I played for him in Cincinnati. Crazy guy, love him. Good coach. We used to go at it all the day. I'd be scout team quarterback versus his defense. I'd always try to get him to jump off sides. Because if you use that hard count and you get the defense to jump off sides, the coaches get so pissed, and it's great to ruin their day sometimes. And you know what? I wasn't starting. I wasn't playing games. So that was my goal every week is just to get the get the uh, defense quarter, coordinator to be miserable. And I think I did that with Zimmer a few times. But So we'll see where Kirk Cousins ends up. A.J. McCarron not likely now to to sign with the Browns. We thought that was a connection with Hugh Jackson and Kenny Zampezi. But i like to move with Tyrod Taylor. We'll see where A.J. McCarron goes. Later on this month, I'm going to drop down to see some live pro days. Sam Darnold, I'm going to catch him live. So make sure you guys tune in uh, later on in a few weeks on my podcast. I'll fill you up to date on my top quarterback, see how it changed with the guys coming out. But I think right now the Browns are sitting nice with the number one overall pick, number four overall pick. So do they get their franchise quarterback there that can learn behind Tyrod Taylor? So. But I don't want to talk too much. I want to get my main guys on the show. Top podcast in all the land. These two guys, hell of hell of a guy. Joe Thomas, hell of a guy. Andrew Hawkins. These guys really do a big. They got one of the best podcasts going on right now, and I'm excited for them to join me. Joe Thomas and Andrew Hawkins from the Tomahawk podcast the top podcast in the world yes i like your intro yeah baby make sure you guys tune in but guys thanks for joining me we're good man we got signed for an oscar we're getting
1: over it we're getting better um it would have been our third so we'll hit it again next year and, you know, back to the
0: drawing board. Hey, well, you're the man. Did you bring that 200 bucks for me? <laughs>
1: of course. I have it, I have it in Bitcoin.
0: Do you accept Bitcoin? <laughs> I accept whatever. Okay, cool. Water bottles, $200 in water, I'm fine with. There you go. We'll give it to you in Bitcoin. But I want to I start with my, my main man, Joe Thomas. We, we got to play a little bit together in 08. I want to hear some of your experience with us playing. But also, I think it's so impressive, man. The guy has played over 10,000 snaps in a row and for me as a player looking at it a lot of times the Browns weren't in a position to to go to the playoffs or play for something but not once did you ever say oh man I tweaked an ankle or I'm in concussion protocol what do you attribute that to?
2: Not having a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not a sissy like Hawk with all his fake concussions. True.
1: Look at you seeing double, you
2: pansy. Look at you. Can't even remember what you ate for breakfast this morning, you idiot. No, I, honestly, I think a lot of it was luck. You know, a, a lot of staying healthy in the NFL is luck. Genetics, guys, a lot are predisposed to injury. There's guys that are predisposed to just staying healthy and not getting right. hurt. Um, I did a lot of yoga. That was one physical thing that I did that I think helped me in the NFL because as a lineman, your back's to the football most of the time, and a lot of the lineman injuries are knee, ankle injuries where guys are falling on the back of your right. legs. So having the mobility and flexibility when you do get rolled up on to be able to kind of move with the pile and to be able to absorb some of those hits rather than being rigid and getting hit like Bruce Gradkowski that tears two MCLs in one game. (laughs) Uh, you got to be able to kind of roll with some of those things. And and then also a lot of it is when you're a lineman and you get hurt, you can play with a lot more injuries than, say, receiver or DB. Because for me, if I lose a step, it's really not a big deal. But if you're a receiver or a cornerback and you lose a step, you just can't match up well with the guys right. that you're playing. And you, they have to get you off the field. So um, there was a lot of things that went into it. But being able to continue to play when there's nothing on the line, I think, was something that was like a sense of pride for me. I think it was developed a little bit in me as a kid growing up, playing college ball, playing early in my NFL career. And it became, it became a source of pride for me to be able to go out there when it doesn't matter and play as well as I would when the Super Bowl was on the line. So um, that was something that I think by the end of my career I really took pride in and people started noticing. Well, and I think teams should have noticed that as you came out for the combine because I remember you
0: talking about just getting ready for the combine and the draft process. Yeah, you were listed as a top 10 prospect, and I I remember hearing you say going into the combine, you didn't think of yourself like that because you heard so many times of guys having that – you know thoughts oh I'm, I'm gonna be a top five pick or t- top 10 and then they drop out of the first round what was your
2: mindset being getting all that hype going into the draft well i was raised to be humble and that's a lot uh to do with my parents and then also my coaches when i was a kid and my experience at wisconsin in college so it was easy for me to go in there and not get a big head um I think also my agent was really good at sort of helping prepare me, but also letting me make sure that I didn't get a big head about where I was potentially getting drafted. But also my own mentality about the draft was that this was just the start of a process. Because to me, I think guys get too hyped up in the draft. Yeah, everyone dreams about playing in the NFL as a kid. And it's it's a big moment, but really for me, that was just sort of the the beginning of my career. And it wasn't something to be – overly celebrated, yeah, you want to make as much money as you can, be drafted as high as you can, get drafted into the right situation. But for me, the pride of what is my NFL career going to look like? I wanted to have that great NFL career. I wanted to have the Hall of Fame career. So draft day wasn't anything more than just finding out where my journey yeah. was going to start. And and I think that's a lot why I decided not to go to the draft. You know? Yeah, tell us about that fishing trip. I, I decided to just take – a day and go fishing with my dad, like I'd done for hundreds of Saturdays before that. Take that time with my family before things got crazy, because I didn't see the draft as the end of the journey. Yeah, you know, a lot of cool. guys you see uh, in the in the combine in those meetings before the draft, they say, "I've never worked so hard in my life. Like I'm so excited about draft day. I'm so excited about training. This is the most important thing that's ever happened to me in my life." And to me, that's actually a big big red flag. Yeah, a guy yeah. that says. My four years in college weren't important enough for me to really sell out and give everything I have. Right. But all of a sudden, I've got some money on the line. Right. I'm going to give my greatest now effort. Dig- dig. Now, <laughs> now it's really important that I'm going to try hard and like start eating right and training the right way. But when, when it was just football and my teammates' livelihoods were on the line, it wasn't that important to me. So for me, it was like, I'm going to do the same thing I've been doing well, in college. School. Right there, yeah. yeah that's, that's grad, school, grad, school, that's grad school, right. school right there. That's next level type. <laughs> I, like For me, it was I'm going to do the same thing I've been doing in college. I'm going to keep training at Wisconsin, and the draft is just going to tell me where the beginning of my journey is going to be. So I wasn't the guy that wanted to be on stage celebrating the draft because it wasn't that big of a deal to me. The, my football career was the most important thing in my in my life. Now, when did you find out like where you got drafted and, and when? So for me, I found out when I was on the boat, actually, because one of the requirements from my agent when I yeah. told him I was going to go fishing was you have to be in cell contact. Yeah. <laughs> because actually, a number of years ago, there was a player that had deceased before the draft, and one of the teams didn't know about it. I want to say this was like the 60s or 70s. Wow. And the team didn't know about it because back in those days, there wasn't internet. There wasn't right. cell phones. So they had no idea. So they drafted a, a player that actually had died. And obviously that was a big mistake. And so teams want to make sure that you're still alive, Mm -hmm. that your status hasn't changed. You haven't been arrested since the last time they talked to you. Because a lot of guys, after they finish their combine prep, they finish their pro day prep, all of a sudden, now they're like, okay, the hay's in the barn. I'm going to go celebrate a little bit, right? So they're back right. home with their boys. They're going out. They're making bad decisions sometimes, and they're going to get arrested like the mm-hmm. night before the draft. And all of a sudden, now you have a potential felony conviction on your record that a team doesn't know about. So a bottom line is the team wants to call you and talk to you before they draft you, like seconds before they draft you, right. to make sure that you're not injured that you haven't been arrested and that you're still alive. Yeah. right? Because like, like, I'll, you I'll to...
1: call you from a collect yeah, 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 number. Yeah, right? Just make sure you answer.
2: So, <laughs> so they want to be able to talk to you. So that was the requirement. Hey, you have to have a cell phone on the boat. So we actually had a radio that we were able to find the draft on yeah. when we were on the boat, and I had my old school flip phone. I think it was like a Motorola flip phone, right. and I was ready. So the Browns, dra- the Browns called me, Phil Savage, Romeo Cornell. They called me. They said, hey – we want to draft you. We're from the Cleveland Browns. And I said, that's awesome. I'm so excited. So as soon as I got drafted, the other requirement was you have to quit your fishing trip, no matter how good the fish are biting, get back to shore and get ready to head to Cleveland. Because as you guys know, the day you get drafted, you get brought into the city that drafts you. You do a press conference. I actually don't know. Okay. All right. For, <laughs> yeah, for those of us that got don't. drafted, yeah. all right. Maybe, maybe you guys don't know, but the top guys get brought into the city. You hold up the jersey especially if you weren't in new york you do your press conference and then you get ready to like start working almost immediately you go home for a couple of days but you're right back out with rookie camp and otas and right. really the the season begins i for know rookie. about that the day you get drafted
1: <laughs> so what at what at what point does the reality show come in for the top guys of getting to the league is that not a part the of the reality process? show what's that <laughs> okay oh, no. that was just me
2: oh that was you oh <laughs> the fourth and long that isn't a part that's of after process. like two wow. years of uh not making it that's oh, when okay. you do the reality show i'll speak more to that yeah
0: well real quick what was it do you wear spandex in yoga i mean a big ass dude like you doing yoga. lemon
2: he's the a brand ambassador for lululemon i would be happy to be I l- sponsored by lululemon that <laughs> awesome. Lulu. expensive i love Lululemon. but no actually i wear a lot of under armor stuff because i'm an under armor guy and they make good yoga gear actually yeah it's uh i gotta be honest i've never stripped down to my spandex i'm a little embarrassed to go that (laughs) naked but there has been a few yoga sessions that have been really hot that i've tossed the shirt off and so you're just kind of in some sexy little shorts you know you should come bruce you should come to my yoga class and we could strip down and be sexy together
1: (laughs) i'll do it man joe is definitely the your shirt immediately guy (laughs) no matter what the activity is Uh, like the first uh, rep shirt comes up look at him now he has a six pack 210 pounds shredded up
2: Hawk, Hawk hasn't worked out one day since no. the day he retired day. and he still shredded. he's still shredded <laughs> that Is makes that, me I'm, so mad I got dad bod man and, don't, he, believe dad bod. And, don't believe the hype yeah, right. and he
0: eats, eats like Chick-fil-A every day with his kids <laughs> I'm telling you man there's shredded. nobody
2: in the NFL that has worse diet habits than DBs <laughs> and receivers and they're That's all so shredded Shredded, shredded. shredded. Some Hawk, Hawk drinks ethics. like Ten cans of pop a day. I've been cleaning for New like guy. four days. No, four soda. days he hasn't drinking a Mountain Dew. With I haven't drinking a Mountain deal. Dew in like four years, <laughs> right? And he's excited about four days Mountain Dew free. Baby steps. It's Hawk,
0: baby how steps. many how many Mountain Dews did you drink when you went through that uh, reality show? No, Tell us about. I cram up. I
1: can't do it. And, and 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 when I'm playing, I can't drink soda.
0: Yeah. So Hawk, fill us in on that that story with the the reality show.
1: Uh, yeah, it was crazy. So I was so I got done playing in Toledo. What in 2007 was my last season. You know, I tried out for the Browns. They told me to, to you know, screw off. Um, I came back to Toledo. I was coaching, coaching the wide receivers. I was working in the factory. I was living on Stephen Williams' couch, who was a receiver at Toledo at the time. Right. Um, I had done an internship with the Lions, so I was getting ready to, like, jump into the front office right. role. We're watching ESPN and Pardon the Interruption, and, there, you know, one of the tags was like, oh, Michael Irvin has a reality show coming out where he's going to take 12 guys off the street and give them the opportunity to sign with the the, the Cowboys. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's kind of dope. I wish I could get on that. And Steve Williams was like, yo, you should do that. And I'm like, nah, man, reality TV. It's probably like a gimmick. You know, they're gonna right. be doing all kind of crazy right. stuff. And the more I sat there and thought about it, I'm like, man, I, I should. So I like snuck upstairs, found an address, found the company that was putting the show on, the production company. You know, called them there, like, hey, we have open you know auditions in like Dallas, LA, you know, Miami. I'm like I can't get to any of those places. I don't have any money.
0: So <laughs> you still living at Willow Run? I'm
1: still no i, I forget where I was at this time, but I know I ended up uh Nick Moore who also played at Toledo was like one of my my good friends. Um I went to his apartment to film uh audition tape. <laughs> yeah. Filmed it there, edited it. Um the 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 video guys at Toledo edited the video. Sent 30 copies in um, long story short, I, I got on the show yeah. and I did great. I should have won, but I didn't because I was still 5'6", you <laughs> yeah. know, coming up from a reality show. But yeah, I, that, that's what happened. And from that, I got my opportunity in the CFL and eventually in the NFL.
0: Well, I think that's what's so impressive about you is your perseverance. You know, you're, you're sitting back in Toledo and you actually are making real life decisions. Like, okay, football's done. What do I have to do next? Yeah. You're, wor- you're coaching for, for the Toledo. You're being a scout for the Lions. Right. I mean, I think the biggest thing, am not just
1: football, is in life. Like, I never wanted to be caught with my pants down, right? Like, right. Like, yeah, I don't want to be so invested into something that if they rip it from me, if I don't have the complete control over it, at any time it could be taken from you. Right. And I was taught that very on coming from a family of football players, and I just always wanted to make sure, even to this day, that I have so many irons in the fire that, you know, nothing has complete control over my success, right? And. That was kind of the beginning stages of it. And, you know, I, like I said, I still follow the same exact equation and formula right now.
0: Well, you, and you do. I mean, what do you have on the fire now? Cause yeah, I mean, you're all one, over from got, LA to Cleveland, New York. Exactly. So, I mean, right now
1: I do the Tomahawk podcast, which is, I have a lot of fun with obviously me and Joe sitting right here. Um, but then also, I, I work for ESPN. Right now, I'm under contract with them and I'm, I'm negotiating with other networks that. that come May I'll probably end up making my decision of where I'll go to next if I don't decide to to renew with ESPN. On the business side, I'm the director of business development for Maverick Carter and LeBron James and their company, so I travel between New York and LA with the different companies they have and then I have my own things I'm working on. I'm about to sign a book deal here in the next week. We Man, finally came awesome. to terms there and you know, developing a TV show and a movie and you that's know, like awesome. I said, just doing a lot of the things that I hope I I've get. Always it. wanted to do. Just
0: don't paint me too bad in that movie. Oh, you're gonna get don't, crushed. Don't bro. lay. Don't show the film clip <laughs> yeah. of me laying you out against Bowling Green. We're gonna reenact it where you broke your back. Exactly. We're gonna reenact
1: it so everyone knows exactly what kind of quarterback you were. That play. Who,
0: who was that terrible quarterback that threw that ball? <laughs> you know
1: what? I'm gonna break that down on Twitter the way you broke down the <laughs> Lamar Jackson play. <laughs> and be like, yeah. look, man, if, if you can do this and still play, recently, yeah.
0: As you guys know, me and Hawk were, were roommates in college, best of friends. So we all, always go back and forth. So we even jab each other on Twitter, and yep. people are like, oh my gosh, you killed him. Do you even know this guy? And it's like, that's the funny part. That people have no
1: idea that we even knew each other. <laughs> right. They thought it was just, you know, like some dude wrote me and was like, you know, Hawk, I wouldn't expect that from you. That was very mean. I, yeah. I always thought you had higher character than that. I'm like, dude, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, right. I know this dude, man. Right. What are you, but, well, you know, and Twitter. i think
0: too i mean you had a great career man we had some good times in uh cincinnati together mm-hmm. i was gonna say cleveland but we didn't, i played with joe in cleveland yeah <laughs> the big guy and uh but i think i think moving forward you know you're doing such a good job but hawk's the type of dude too that i reach out to for everything like hey man can you help me with with my media <laughs> tape can you give me a, a you know advice on this so you're, you're well rounded on so many different things and i what I'm so interested in, too, you, you spent a little time with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. When you saw their season come to an end or go to the Super Bowl, was there any, there any regret? Like, man, I shouldn't have retired. I should have waited just a little bit.
1: No. I mean, honestly, when I signed there, I signed there thinking that this was going to be a Super Bowl winner, right? Because I, I knew I was right. kind of done. Like, my body wasn't breaking down all the way. But it was to the point, man, like I had so many interests off the field and my goal was to play one game in right. the league. And it was like – you know, it, eventually it's like okay. Well, here I am. I'm six, seven years later. I'm I'm still doing it. Right. And now some of these other opportunities are, are looking enticing and new challenges because I I love a new challenge. And it was like okay, well, I'm gonna give myself one more year to try to win a ring just because it'll help add to the story right. or whatever that looks like. So I, that's why I signed for the Patriots in, in 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 the first place. And when I decided to retire, my my knees started bothering me right before camp, and I kind of understood that okay, this is probably coming to an end. And you know, I'm, I'm done. I'm over it. I'm I yeah. have it out of my system. I'm I'm good to go. I knew in my mind that they would be a Super Bowl team and I thought they would win it. Um and when I made the decision, it was like, okay, if they win the Super Bowl, how are you going to feel? And honestly, I was like, I'll be oh, fine. Cool, right. I'm <laughs> I'm 100% that, okay with that. And so when they lost, I was there was more regret when they lost than if they would have won. Oh, Because really? if I would have continued to play, yeah. We got to the Super Bowl and lost. Oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude. Like, that would have put me into a deep depression. Having the fact that I even came back another year when I didn't really want to. Right. One thing. Number two, it's one thing to never win a Super Bowl, to never even have a chance at it. You don't think about it as much. Yeah. To lose a Super Bowl, like, the friends that I have that have lost a Super Bowl, you never get rid of that. Right. Like, so even if I would have got there, it wouldn't have been like, oh, at least I got there. No, it would have been like, man, I was 60 minutes away from reaching the pinnacle. So right? I was like... If I, if I would have played and we lost Super Bowl, I would have been devastated. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't know if I would have bounced back.
0: And, and what was that organization like? I mean, you, you hear about Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. Is Tom Brady what we see, you know, where you see the guy working his tail off, first one in, last yeah. one leave? Like what, what was he like during OTAs in the offseason? Yeah, he's just a maniac, man. Like, you know, if you didn't know him,
1: if you didn't know about his history and you've seen him, you would never suspect that he was – regarded as the best quarterback in NFL history. Right. You know, because of you know, the little things. He's in a corner doing footwork drills. All of his conversations are about football, <laughs> yeah. um, just details and everything. You're like, Tom, stop talking to me about that route. Dude, tonight. he could detail the tight ends <laughs> route. He could detail the receiver's release, the timing, the chemistry. Whatever it is, he, like, knows everything, and that's all he cares about. Like, when I would look at him, I would, like, ask myself, and obviously, you know, kind of our previous question is indicative of this, but I'm like, if I had, was making $20 million a year, I had five Super Bowls. I'm regarded as the best quarterback ever. My wife is super making twenty million dollars. She's a supermodel. She's making twenty million dollars <laughs> right. a year. Would I care this much? And the resounding answer I can only tell myself is no. You would not even come right. close to caring about the things that he cares about. But that's what makes him special. Is because it? his goals were never a Super Bowl. It wasn't four. It wasn't right. five. It wasn't making this amount of money. It wasn't having this life set up. It was to be regarded unequivocally as unequivocally as the greatest ever, and making sure that. The distance between him and the next guy was as far as it can be. So, you know, there, there will never be a time where he's
0: satisfied. And I'm like, just being there, I'm like, this guy really is going to try to play until he's 50. No. That, and that's what's so impressive with him. When you see guys that have the money, the accolades, mm-hmm. but they continue to work harder than a guy trying to yeah. make the team, it's just it's gold, so impressive. Man. It's,
1: it's just like, like I said, my goal was one game. So just who I am by my nature, I continue to work hard no matter where my situation is. But I reached my goal after one game, and it was like I just went into autopilot, which was my autopilot was just keep working hard right. and just keep it going. But I was done. Why right? Not? So some guys just go into autopilot. Like you see guys who make big money, and then they go into autopilot. Right. Their autopilot is to chill, so they're not right. as good. Or right. you see guys win a championship. And then like the Cavaliers, like they, they don't play the same after they win a championship. Right. Some of the guys on that team aren't as hungry. But you look at a guy like LeBron— the two, three championships isn't enough for him. It's like insane. that doesn't not that, That's not what his goal was. His goal right. was to be the best ever. So he's always going to have that hanging over his head. And the same with Tom Brady. So it, it just goes to show you, you know, what guys' mentalities, what their goals are is when they reach them, what do they do after that. And it, it answers a lot of questions. Yeah, no,
0: you. you're right. And I remember that first game you played, man, standing on the sideline and Cincy balling. Yeah, man. Crying for the national anthem. Yeah, I mean, dude. What, what a moment. From Johnstown, PA, yeah. to being able to play your first NFL game.
1: I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I think and I, and I and I, you know, like you know that when he playing, I cry before every game because yeah. I can remember, like I said, living on somebody's couch and feeling like scum. Like right. I can remember those guys, you know, having girls come over or having a date with you know whatever, and I had to go, you know, walk around the city to kill time because I had nowhere else to go or my my suitcase being in on the top shelf of the, the laundry room, right? you know what I mean? Just because I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I don't have the money coming in and I don't, I can't go get my own place because I can't really afford it. You know what I mean? And, and caddying at Inverness and, you right. know, guys treating me like shit, like, you know, talking to me bad. And I remember thinking, like, I, I'm so much better than this. I could be doing so many other things, but here I am clinging to this goal. And so to finally reach it and, you know, what God brought me through to get me to that point, I would just get emotional every time Man. because, that movie plays back for me so vividly
0: every every moment I get, you know. It's it's amazing, man, and that's why God is so good and He works it out. Yeah, can't wait to watch your movie and read your books. There you and, go. Baby. I mean, seriously, to see what you have going on and to see like when when I was playing for the Bengals, okay, I'm playing for the Bengals. Hawk just got signed by the Rams, <laughs> so he's playing for the Rams. So it's the first day of training camp. I'm with the Bengals. I'm about to go get my workout in. Someone tweets me, and they're like, hey, man, that's awesome. Hawk just signed with the Bengals. You guys are going to be teammates again. <laughs> I'm like, ha yeah, okay, dude. You don't know anything. He's with the, the Rams, Rams right now. practice
1: just started yesterday. There's no way he's with the Bengals.
0: Yeah. So I'm in the weight room lifting. <laughs> Next thing you know, Hawk walks by me, and he's just like, what's up, bro? Like, so nonchalant. <laughs> I'm like, dude, what are you doing what here? What are you
1: doing here? Yep. And there we go, man. So. It's, so here it, I am now to that point.
0: It's just, know? it's just great to see what what we've gone through, like mm-hmm. together, separately, come back together. You know, just everything that we get to accomplish or be a part of. Yeah, you know, is fun. And hey, we have two supermodel. Uh, us three, we all have supermodel wives. Exactly. So the only thing Brady has over us is five, the money. Is five Super Bowls and the money and, and the forty million a year as, a, as yeah. a couple. We're still working on that, but we'll get right, it. right. We'll get it. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on today, the to grad school, the Bruce yeah. Gretkowski podcast, and always insightful information from Joe Thomas and Hawk. You're always a witty <laughs> guy. You bring You bring some flavor. I do my best. Listen, the grad school is a good
1: podcast. The Tomahawk Show is number one in the world. But we'll we give you some props. You're, you're rising in the
2: game. You got a chance to beat PMT. If you yeah. keep going on this path, it'll be Tomahawk 1 and the grad school number 2 and yep. PMT 3. So exactly. keep going. I think you're doing good things, and we'd love to be on the show again. appreciate it, Joe. Thanks, Hot. Of course, man.